uh, those of you who know them would have noticed that uh, Greg and Melody Cloxon are here with us this morning. And some of you might be thinking, it's about time they showed back up. <laughs> we just want to let you know it's not like that. Um, they, they've served in our church. They're a very important part of this body. Uh, they've been with us for uh, 15 years uh, that they served in this body and, and uh, were a very integral part of what God was doing here. They led the um, young adults ministry, which is our college age ministry. They led that for about 10 years. And uh, Greg served on the ELT, the executive leadership team. And Greg and Mel both served on the worship team, and, and Mel even led. She was one of our worship leaders for eight to ten years, something like that. And she served faithfully in the children's church and uh, the nursery and all kinds of wonderful things. So they're the kind of people that, that you say, thank you, Jesus, for loving us <laughs> with these kind of people. You know, they've just been a tremendous blessing to this body. Uh, and the reason why they haven't been here, about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, um, the Lord started transitioning them into a new season, new direction, and we wanted to invite them back so they can share with us, so you'll know that they're not prodigals, they're not, they haven't, they're not wayward or anything like that, but I just want to give them the opportunity to share with us what God is, uh, how he's leading them, and, and what he's doing in their lives and through their lives and everything, and then uh, we as leaders, we just want to bless them and send them off, you know, and, and we're not mad at them, they're not mad at us. You know, it, we haven't broken fellowship. I mean, we've had, Greg and I have had lunches together, and he's had fellowship with, he and Mel have had fellowship with people in the body. So it's not like they're upset with us or anything like that. And I believe that they're doing it the right way, that when God calls you to move in a different direction, uh, whether it's moving out of town or moving to a different church or whatever, I believe there's a, a, a right way to do that. And, and I believe that that's what they're doing. And, and so I'm going to invite Mel and Greg to come on up and, and just share for a few minutes what the Lord is, how he's been leading you guys. Yeah. Well, notice he gave the microphone to me and not my wife. I was sitting there thinking he could have just as easily given it to her, but you all know the difference in that equation, right? For those of y'all that know us anyway. Well, good morning from Guthrie. Uh, again, I'm Greg, and this is my wife, Melody, and uh, for those of y'all that don't know us, we served in this church for a long time, and uh, <clears throat> it was great. I'm going to have to try to contain myself this morning a little bit on several fronts. Number one, not to start preaching, <laughs> uh, because that happened to be an area that I, the Lord's uh, grace, you know, thank God for him, uh, moved through us, and me in particular, to be uh, privileged to be able to minister the word to this body for a number of years, and I'm so grateful for that. But uh, <clears throat> we actually lived in Guthrie the whole time. A lot of people did not, some people may not have ever realized that. And so we drove 45 minutes one way every day to church, you know, and sometimes four times a week or five times a week, whatever was going on, you know, for worship practice and, and ELT meetings and, uh, you know, different things. Now, some people might ask, why in the world would you live in Guthrie and go to church in Stillwater? And I got asked that several times, didn't we, honey? I mean, I was like, <clears throat> so I think it's important to maybe review a little bit why we ever started coming to NCF. Uh, <clears throat> first and foremost, Melody and I come from, uh, you know, 
the Rama Faith Bible Church uh, upbringing. We are very, you know, commitment to a local body is very integral to, to us and our, and our faith and what we know to be true, and that is to serve, you know, where God has called you and to make your supply faithfully. And so <clears throat> we, we left for a while and lived in Texas after I finished graduate school and uh, came back after about seven years, thank God, got back as quick as I could. You know, went down, <laughs> that was for Cordell. You know, I went down there, you know, I've graduated two, two degrees from Oklahoma State University. I, I'm, I bleed orange and black, amen. So I go down there rooting for Oklahoma State and anyone that played OU. When I, <laughs> I <laughs> Todd's back there, y'all know he's a Sooners guy. But we had grace. We've had grace in the family. <laughs> i tell you what, though, brothers and sisters, when I came back from Texas, I came back rooting for anything that had Oklahoma in the name. Those people wore us out. We had some wonderful friends down there, and it was a church that we uh, plugged up with, and I thought I was, went down there for a job. Oh, no. It was to be part of a body down there and to just receive tremendous training and discipleship through the Athens Christian Center there. And so uh, <clears throat> Melody and I came back after about seven years being gone. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of newness to kind of wear off after you've been gone for a little bit with family and friends because they were all pretty much here in Stillwater. I said to myself, Melody said to herself, we said to each other, we will not go to New Covenant Fellowship. <laughs> we, yes, we did. We said we would not go. We'll go back and visit, but we're not going to that church. And with nothing against New Covenant Fellowship, it's just, you know, we were looking forward to living, working, you know, and sleeping in the same community, you know, and going to church in the same community, you know, because that just hadn't happened for us. We've always driven, you know, 25-plus miles one way to church for the whole time we've been married. It's 26 years this year. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God. So uh, <clears throat> we come back, and three weeks after attending here, trying to wear some of the new off of being back with family and so forth. Pastor Dale came and sat up here. And for the, those that may not know, Pastor Dale was a senior pastor here from the inception of this church until that torch was handed off to CJ some years ago now. And he stood up here, and when he did, the Holy Spirit just moved within me very strongly. <clears throat> and he delivered a very specific word to me, and he said, that man needs godly men around him. And when I, he said that, I knew what God was saying. He was saying, I was one of those <laughs> to be around him. And when I say men, I'm talking about we're one. So it wasn't just me. It was my wife. He needed us to be here. So I left out of the parking lot. I looked at Melody, and she was like, don't you look at me like that. <laughs> Bottom line is, here we are, you know, 16 years later, and, you know, we've served in this church the best we know how and faithfully to do what God has graced us to do. So, let's rewind the tape a year ago now. I can't believe it's been a year. For those of y'all that didn't miss us, you know, hey, you know, we love you still. <laughs> I know it does seem like, and I do apologize, that we just dropped off the map. We did not drop off the map. We, we went through leadership. 
we told the leadership about a year ago what was in our heart, what God was leading us to do, and that the season was changing for us. <clears throat> and uh, I got to tell you, we went, first of all, you know, to our, it was our ELT brothers and sisters, and, and I mean sisters because they were all a part of it. We had the wives there. And uh, we told, of course, we told Pastor CJ and Lisa first, and then we, then we went to the ELT and to others in leadership and, and told them what was going on. And I got to tell you what, brothers and sisters, they absolutely rallied around us. They prayed for us, and the Holy Ghost was just so faithful, as he always is, to just minister grace to us in, and let us go into this season. And we didn't eat, Mel. It was, it was awesome. And it was right back there in that room. And we just had a tremendous, some tremendous prayers, some things spoken to us by Pastor CJ and Lisa and the other brothers and sisters in the ELT. It was awesome. And the Holy Spirit released us. And little did we know that when we go into that for two or three months, we, it was like we're on vacation. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I don't have anything to do on Sunday. I don't have to get lessons together. I don't have to be ready for worship. I don't have to. I know that sounds, it sounds a little antithetical here to, you know, service in the church, but I think some of y'all that have served a long time know exactly what I'm saying because we've never not known a time that we've not been involved. I mean, in every service, in every leadership capacity that God graced us to do whatever to serve faithfully. But after about three or four months, then the guilt starts hitting you. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, you know, you know, maybe we need to to you know look at, at doing something. What what are we doing here, God? I say all that to say that, folks, it's so important. No matter what you do in life, always follow this because this is where the Holy Spirit is. He is inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And Paul even said that. He said, don't you know that you are the temple? You're God's sanctuary, one, one version of the Bible says. I love that. And that the, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He has been sent to lead you into truth and knowledge and to guide us. And so every time we knew we were doing what we were supposed to do, that we knew it was right for us to be where we were at, and so I guess the best thing to say is that where we have been is, is a, a, a season of journey right now. And like Abraham, whom God said, get up and go to a place I'll show you, we're in the journey. We don't know where we're going yet, <laughs> but we're in the journey. And uh, <clears throat> that journey is such that the season of service here is, is finished for us. And uh, I know that seems odd to some, and it, it was to us for a while, and, it, and to our family and different things, and I think we're still processing through. But the bottom line, always go with what your heart is telling you. And so we just want to simply say how blessed we have been to be a part of New Covenant Fellowship. We want to say how much we love you all and the people that we've grown in relationship with here and the significance that you've played in the roles of our lives and our children's lives. Both my sons have been raised in this church. They've been saved in this church. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. 
One of them's been baptized. Judah has not been baptized, but Josiah was baptized in this church. Miss Ellen was the one that led him to the Lord. I mean, I'm just, you know, praise the Lord for the things that we've experienced in this church. And we just thank God for the opportunity that we've had to serve. And Melody and I, I, I just want to, did you want to say something, Mel? I want you to say a couple words before I close it up here. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, just like Lisa was talking about family. And um, it's, it's that way in the body of Christ, no matter where you go. You know, Stillwater is still, uh, the people at New Covenant are our family in Stillwater. And we'll always love you guys. And we know that's the same way, too, from you all to us also. And I just really wanted to reiterate that point, how much you guys are still like family to us. We haven't axed you off. <laughs> Nobody's done that. You know, and because it is important. If, you know, if you have a lot of, if you have a lot of struggles and you're in a church and you're having a lot of struggles, the, the best that way to approach those, that wasn't the situation with us because we went to our pastors. And that's, I mean, that's the way God wants you to do things, you know. I think it's a really, I just, I think that's a really good point that he wants to make is when you realize that the grace isn't there, don't be sitting around burning yourself out and everybody else around you. Do something about it, you know, and go talk to your pastors. And anyway, we just love you all and want want you guys to know that's not the point at all here. That did that. That is not what went down. And you can talk to CJ and Lisa, and they'll tell you that. See, that's how come wives are so important, guys, because you know we just don't think of everything and we don't cover all the bases. And I, I greatly appreciate you know what was said there. And I, I just you know, we want to just stand before you and with a full heart release you all. In, in, into the grace and the blessings, you know, that God has for you and your service here and let you know that what Melody said is 100% the truth, and that is we have no, there, we're not leaving with offense. We're not leaving with strife. We're not leaving with any negative in the equation. Before you and God, I stand here and, and say that to you. We're leaving with a full heart and desire that God's grace continue in this body and grow and, and, and work through you to grow into the fullness of what God has for you all here. And so we do just release you all, and just we just want to just proclaim the blessing of God. As, as I have so many times here, as Melody has in her faithful service, behind the scenes with your children and with different things that she's in the capacity she served in, in worship, Bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders and the ELT, if you would come up and join me. So we can just lay hands on them. And everyone else, if you would just extend your faith and your heart and your love towards them. We're just going to bless them and send them, you know, to whatever whatever the Lord has for them. We just want them to go in full confidence that we're behind them, we support them. And, you know, and the cool thing about this is whenever we do something, we have special functions, guest speakers or whatever, they're more than welcome to come back and join us, you know. So it's not like they can't ever come back. And so if you see them in a service, maybe on a Sunday or a Wednesday night or whatever, don't think that, oh, they changed their mind. Good, they're back. 
Some of us might be praying that way, but no. Um, so anyway, so we're just going to ask the Lord just to speak to him and, and just bless him. So if you guys get anything, let me know. Lord, we just thank you for this uh, time you've given us with Mel and with uh, Greg. And I just personally uh, give you thanks for the friendship we've had and the, the fun we've had, and especially uh, getting to know Greg better on the worship team and just enjoying the times together. And we thank you, Lord, for all these things that you've given to us. And we know that they're a blessing wherever they are, God, that they're uh, people that reach out and that care. And so we know that they go in your spirit. And just ask you, God, to continue to lead them and guide them, bring them into new uh, friendships, God, meaningful friendships and fellowship, God, that uh, are right for them in their in their area or where you would have them to be, Lord. And, uh, just pray for your blessing upon them and their <coughs> their family. And uh, uh, we thank you for what you've done, that they all serve you, Lord, and that their hearts are given to you. And so we continue... Uh, to just consider them our really good friends, Lord, and uh, we just uh, send them off with your <coughs> spirit, God, to lead and guide them, Lord, and wherever you would have them to be and whatever uh, areas you would have them to work, Lord, you just make that clear to them. Lord, I just thank you for... Um that sometimes season change, um, but there are continuing mantles. Lord, I just thank you for that that calling that's on their life. Father, the, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, and we thank you that you're setting them off step by step um, into a future that's full of life. It's full of you. It's full of the presence. Thank you, Jesus. It's full of revival. Lord, we thank you for that stirring spirit that uh, that stirs us up inside, that gets us ready to go for the next season. And I just saw, um, I just saw like a gas cap getting put put on. And uh, usually, you know, when a gas cap puts on, uh, gets put back on, it's it's because the the filling has has happened. And Lord, I just thank you that um, you're gonna close that season of filling out, and it's time for for the gas to to get uh, in the vehicle. <laughs> and so we just thank you for. For that acceleration season that's upcoming, Father, that you're um, you're already lining things uh, logistically into place. You're you're positioning people, uh, connections, and contacts for them to uh, to relate to. To um, and I just see I just see open doors, and I just see that um, there's something about these doors that as you are seeing them open, there's just I see light around them, um, just kind of radiance, and there's. Um, you know what it is? It's like when you're standing out on the on the doorstep and the door is locked, but you know somebody's home and you're just standing out in the dark and you're like, okay, I'm here, ding, 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 ding. And I just, I feel like the Lord's saying that that season of, of being on the porch is over. It's time to go into the living room. It's time to, to enter into the fellowship of your calling. And Lord, we just thank you for that correspondence 
Yeah, and, and networking, Lord, that, that you're performing even now, that you're starting to, to get people on the path that, that need what is inside of them. There's, there's a well, a deep well inside of them, and you're going to get people to that well to drink. And we bless them in Jesus' name. I just saw a picture, uh, Greg and Mel, of you guys walking down a path, and the path, as, as you're walking, it's being lit as you're walking down it. But also what I'm seeing is as you're walking, I see fruit coming off, falling off behind you as you go. And I heard the phrase, fruit following you. And it wasn't just like a single banana or a single grape. It was like a bunch of banana, like a huge bunch that would fall a huge cluster of grapes, boom, like clusters and, and bunches of them falling as you're walking by. So as you're walking on his path, fruit is falling. Fruit is falling, and fruit is following you. And that's the picture that I saw. Greg and Mel. I just want to thank you guys for your faithful service here to New Covenant. Uh, one of the characteristics of Jesus is that he is faithful. And you guys have been uh, true witnesses of his because you bear that characteristic of Christ, that you are faithful and loving servants uh, of his, and you love the flock uh, with all your heart. And I just thank you for the fruit that has been born in this body as a result of your love for the Lord and for his children and your faithfulness to him. And that fruit has not and will not stop bearing <laughs> more fruit. Uh, though you are moving on to a different chapter, the fruit that has been born in this body as a result of you shall continue on uh, to continue to bear more and more fruit, and that that characteristic of faithfulness uh, uh, that you will be t that you had here, you are taking into your next chapter, and that that faithfulness will bear through that faithfulness, through that love that you have uh, through Christ, you will bear much fruit, not just fruit, but as Lisa was saying, you will bear much fruit for the Lord, and in the name of the Lord, uh, wherever your feet tread. And um, you know, that is just something that I want to encourage you with, that uh, just like Abraham, hey, you're going, you, you don't exactly know where you're going, but you know that he who called you is faithful. And, 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 and one thing we know as your brothers and sisters here before you, that uh, you bear that characteristic in the Lord, that you're faithful. So we have no doubt <laughs> that, that the purposes and plan that God has for you uh, Though you may not know it in full right now, it shall come to pass, and, and, and it shall be a wonderful, wonderful work. A while ago when uh, Cornell said, Greg, Greg and Mel, I had to look up because there was a pause, and I was like, Jesus? You know, because it was a real deep voice that said, Greg and Mel. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I thought it was fixing to rain down in here, man. But my my deal is, is I can't get rid of these two because I'm related to them. Um, 
I, but I will take them all day long. And I, I would say no one has got to serve in the capacity with Greg and Mel like I have. Uh, from long hours of music where me and Greg just wanted to strangle each other, from <laughs> tweaking white noise, whatever that is. But, but <laughs> I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, Greg has talk, talked me off the roof many and many a times through counsel, through, through the godly man he is, and my sister also. Um, honest truth, I would not be in the place I am now if it was not for these two. Um, it, it was pretty amazing um, to come into a place like this and be able to serve with two people like this. Um, that are just, they go above and beyond the call every time. And, and those of you that don't know them, uh, that is probably the hugest quality that they have, that they've got so many giftings in them, but yet they'll come right beside you and they will serve. And I'm telling you, they have served with me many, 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 many times. And as, as we was praying, I love God because, you know, he's just got such a sense of humor. But as Caleb was talking about the bright doors and everything, you know, you start seeing Jesus, halo, and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and you know, the old picture. But um, a lot of you people will understand this and some of you won't. But one of the things that, that I saw with you two is as you were walking through and I, I just kind of saw you like leaving a room and, and you were closing the door because that time was up. And, and that speaks of this house. And, and my heart is with Pastor CJ. We're not saying goodbye. We're saying welcome to your future, man. And, and you know, for me, it was hard to lose you guys. But, man, I'll be the first one to kick you in the behind and say go, man, as you would with me. Okay. But, but here's a sense of humor. As I saw you walking up to that door with the glowing light or whatever, as Caleb was describing, there was a sign on it that said, and, and some of you will understand this, and it, it said, your future's so bright, you got to wear shades. <laughs> you know, and, and that, that's God, man. And, and he was also telling me that, that the time is redeemed, Greg. He, he is redeeming time for you guys. And, and he's going to put you in positions and places of influence, man. And, and I, I was just also feeling in my heart that in, in some family way that was going to bless back at this house too, man. And, and so, so we love you guys, man. And I could never say thank you, thank you, thank you enough. And, and for me to say this to my sister, because we fought like cats and dogs, but no, no, we love each other, absolutely, tremendously love each other, love you guys, and thank you, thank you, thank you, man. So, Father, we do bless them in Jesus' name, and we send them in your grace, your wisdom, your mercy, your power, your anointing, and we just thank you, Father, for their faithfulness, and, and they, they've sowed faithfulness for many, many years, and now they're going to reap a wonderful harvest of people coming alongside of them and serving with them and serving them. So we just bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Yeah, I I can't let uh, Greg get by with uh, <laughs> having something to say. You know, <coughs> Greg's the type of person and male that when you're around them, you just you feel good. I mean, they're they're such encouragers. But I want to uh, tell Greg that I I do forgive him, <laughs> and he knows what it is in the ELT. <laughs> I'm not going to hold it against him. That's an inside joke, but bless you guys. Uh, information on the inside joke, you need to talk to Ken about that. If you would uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And is George in here? George Bakulu, Bakulu, or the people that uh, George, is there a team of people that, oh, there you are. Go ahead and have your people. We're going to go ahead and pass out the elements of communion. And um, so we'll have them, and then hold on to them. And there's some little, little um, holders in the front, in the seats in front of you. So you want to just put your juice there to hold it and everything, because we're going to take it at the end. But I wanted to go ahead and redeem some time by going and passing it out now. So yeah, go ahead and pass this out, and, and you guys just hold on to your elements until at the end. Bill, if you want to just play some background music for a few moments. Bless you. Just to know you To really taste and see To really taste and see
shows how your, your colored glasses will influence what you hear. <laughs> and so now every time we hear that song, it's one of my favorite songs, but now I cannot hear it without. It's not talking about me. It's not talking about. All right, sorry about that. I just had to. All right, <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians 11. And I'm just going to pray real quick. Lord, we, we do honor you. We honor your word. And we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for you, Father. Thank you for reminding us, encouraging us, exhorting us how much you love us. And, and we will take that and run with it today. And Father, we are in love with your word because we know that it's, there's such power in your word to liberate us, to set us free, to help us to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. So Father, 
your word and Holy Spirit, how you're teaching us, we embrace it fully today. In Jesus' name, amen. I start in with verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm reading in the NLT version, New Living Translation, and it is up there. It says, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. For it sounds as, it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. It's a bit of sarcasm right there in case you didn't catch that. Verse 20, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you. Now, right now in verse 23, we're about to move into the, the traditional passage that you hear read all the time or a lot of times when it comes to communion. Verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with, with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died prematurely. You can put in the word prematurely because some translation that's what it has and that's what he's talking about. People, because we're all going to die, but he's talking about people are getting sick and dying prematurely, dying before they should. Verse 31, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. And I'll give you instructions about the other matters when I arrive. Today I want to talk about four communion observations that I want to make from this passage. In verses 29 through 32 it says, For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ... If you drink, eat the bread, drink the cup, without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have died. But if you would examine yourselves, if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. The first observation is Jesus' physical body and people in Christ are the body that's inferred in this passage. I believe a lot of times when we read this passage and it talks about not honoring the body of the Lord, we're only mainly looking at his physical body. I believe in this passage, he's talking about his physical body, Jesus' physical body, because it was what was broken and bruised and beaten and obliterated for our forgiveness. But he's also talking about 
you and I, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. If you only recognize the one and not the other, then you will miss a huge part of what is being talked about and provided for in these passages. And some scriptures that talk about the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Romans 12, 4, and 5, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we, are, and we all belong to each other. Colossians 1.24, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continue for his body, the church. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, talking about this communion, uh, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. And there's a whole bunch of passages that talk about us being the body of Christ. And so the first point I want to bring home to you and suggest to you is that in this passage about communion, this whole thing, he's not just talking about not honoring Jesus' body, but he's talking about his body, the church. Okay? Do you see that so far? And it's important that we understand that I believe to get the full context and the real context of what he's saying. Because a lot of times when we take communion, and I've done this many times, you know, the Bible says we need to examine ourselves. And what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, you know, the sin, you know, cheating on my taxes or, or running that red light or speeding or, you know, the sins that I've committed, Lord, I've, I repent of those. You know, I'm getting things right with me and the Father before I take communion. I need, to get, I need to make sure all the sin is taken care of. Well, that's important. We need to make sure there's no, no sin in our lives that we're living in. But we also need to examine ourselves in relation to the body of Christ. What is my, how, how am I doing with my brothers and sisters in Christ? That's the examination we need to have as well. And when we don't, then we can bring upon us the judgment that he's talking about. We're going to talk more about that. So the first thing is Jesus' physical body and people in Christ are the body that is inferred in this passage. And number two, the second observation, communion isn't as much about just you and Jesus as much as it is about you, Jesus, and your relationship with the body, his church. A lot of times we make it about me and Jesus. I'm good. Me and Jesus are good. I love you, Father. I'm good. Everything's great between us. Now I don't want to talk about anybody else. But again, in this passage, he's talking about how we are relating to one another, to one another as well as as him. 1 Corinthians 11, 33 and 34 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, and actually here's the, the last passage shows that he's referring to the relationship of the saints when he's referring to the judgment that he's talking about. And it's in this last passage, verses 33 and 34. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home, so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. Are you seeing this? And I believe it's very important for us to see this. And now, earlier in 1 Corinthians, this, uh, the first book and second book of Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth. Earlier in the book, in chapter 3, 
he writes this. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready for you are still controlled by our sinful nature, by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with one each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Now, obviously, they were having some, some division, some strife, some, some things, some challenges going on that Paul was addressing. And he was saying, you guys are still acting like babies, and therefore I can't treat you like mature people. And what he was referring to was their relationship with each other, how they were treating one another, how they were jealous of each other, backbiting, gossiping, bickering, bitter, resentful, all these things. And then that carried on into the chapter 11 when he's talking about when they came together to have the Lord's Supper, it was more like a meal and not just, you know, not the crackers and juice like we do. But it was more of a meal, and then they were abusing, and they were, they were neglecting one another, and the rich people were getting all the, the good stuff, and the poor people were left out, and they were abusing and mistreating each other. And Paul was bringing correction to that situation, their relationship with each other. Now, we've been talking about relationships for quite some time. The Lord is, is showing me more and more and more how relationship is everything. Pastor Dale made that prophetic declaration many years ago when he came back from a mission trip to, to China. And he said, brothers, relationship, he said, the Lord has shown me relationship is everything. And I believe now he's unfolding that and showing us what that looks like. The kingdom is all about relationship. If you remove relationship, you have no kingdom of heaven. So you cannot have the kingdom of heaven without relationship. Therefore, relationship is God's number one priority. He paid, he gave up everything, he gave up his very best for a relationship with you and me. He gave up his very best, most prized, his very best, himself, his son Jesus, so in this, in, uh, for the sake of relationship with you and I. So it's about you examining your heart to see if there's an issue with you, with how you are treating or how you are in relationship with another member of his body or another person. So we need to examine how we are treating each other. Am I still holding on to anything? Am I still bitter? Am I still judging somebody? And I remember asking this question in my mind to the Lord, and he answered me quickly. He said, I, asked, I said, is there anyone whom I don't have to forgive, I get to hold a grudge against, and I'm free to harbor bitterness towards? And he said, yes. So I was like, Lord, is there anybody that I can, I can be bitter towards? I don't have to forgive. I can hold a grudge against. Is there anybody? He said, yes. Then he answered me more specifically. He said, those, all of those who I haven't died for. <laughs> so if you find somebody that Jesus hasn't died for, then you can be bitter towards them. You can harbor unforgiveness, and you can treat them any way you want to, you have permission. Anyone who Jesus hasn't died for. And I believe he's making a point. He died for us all. So therefore, everyone is worthy of the love of God. Whether we feel like it or not, he does. You know, when you look at another person, you know, I remember a story that, that uh, we learned years ago in, in a parenting class 
that the value of an object is not based on your view of that object. It's based on the owner of that object. In other words, like a, a little girl has a little doll that's, you know, it's, it's tattered up and it's, met, you know, it's all dirty and everything. And she asked the little, the, the little girl asked her daddy, daddy, can you take care of my, my doll for me? Can you take care of this precious doll for me? And the father, he looks at the doll and, and it's not really valuable to him. But he doesn't treat that doll, the value of that doll is not based on how he feels. The value of that doll, he should treat it, is based on how his daughter feels about that, right? So when we look at people, it's not, their value is not based on how we feel towards them. It's based on the owner of them, how he feels towards them. That's how we're supposed to treat people. That's how we're supposed to see people. That's how we're supposed to love people based on the way he sees him or her. Does that make sense? Because if we value people through our own eyes, then we, we're going to disvalue. We're going we're to value those we like, and we're going to disvalue those that we don't like. And Jesus said, doesn't the world do that? You, they love those who love them, and they hate their enemies. But Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. So he comes with a whole different system concerning his kingdom. Okay, number three. Taking communion is a wonderful opportunity to be reminded of his provision. And that's what we do when we take communion, after, um, 1 Corinthians 11, 24, 25, and says, and give thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now this is Jesus talking on that night. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by his, with his blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So when we take communion, when we take the elements, we are reminding ourselves of what Jesus has paid for, what he did for us, and the covenant that he is enacted with us. It's a reminder. It's a reminder, and every time we do it, and that's why some people, they'll take communion every day, so they can be reminded every day of the wonderful things that God has done for them. We know that there's forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father. We know there is healing from sickness. And there's grace to forgive and walk in true love towards one another. And that's the part I want to emphasize. Not only is there forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father, but He has given us power through His grace to love our enemies and to forgive people. He has given us power through the cross. That's one of the provisions that, he, that He's given us is power. See, we don't have to be, see, this doesn't belittle anything that has happened to you that's been very, very um, tragic or very bad. But realizing that through the cross and the blood and the death of Jesus, he provides grace, which is power to his sons and daughters. It's the power to do God's will. It's the power and the ability and desire to do what God requires of us. So when I recognize that I have an issue with the relationship with my brother or sister and, I'm, and I'm, I'm stuck in bitterness towards them, and I take communion, I'm, I'm reminded of, wait a minute, I have power. Power came from the cross to me so that I can walk in forgiveness. I can totally and truly forgive this person. I do not have to be bound in the bondage of bitterness. I'm not a victim. I'm victorious. That's what we get. 
So when we take these elements, it's like, thank you, Jesus, that you were beaten, you were obliterated, so I didn't have to stay a slave to bi- and bondage and bitterness. But I can be set free. It's foolish to apply his provision for healing while ignoring that which will bring and invite sickness or death into our lives. It's foolish to apply his provision for healing while ignoring that which will bring and invite sickness or death into my life. You know, we know that one of the provisions of the cross is healing through Jesus. Right? Do you agree with that? Healing. By his stripes, we were healed. Brings his physical healing into my body. But if I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, that I'm healed, you know, let's say I'm sick, I'm I'm dealing with sickness in my body, and thank you, Father, that, that there's healing in the blood of Jesus and that was saved for me, but yet I'm ignoring things that invite that sickness back into my life, then I'm being foolish. Kind of like a, a physical picture I get is if I'm asking God for healing for lung cancer and I'm believing God for healing from lung cancer and I continue to smoke cigarettes. Now, sometimes there, there are times that God has healed people, even though, because the person thinks, well, I brought this on myself. I brought this cancer on myself because I've smoked two packs a day or whatever, I've been doing it for 20 years, and they get healed. They get, I've seen people, that happen to people, they get healed. But remember, just like Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you, now go and sin no more. So I believe when Jesus heals that person of cancer, I believe he's also given them grace to quit smoking the cigarettes that's putting that junk on them. But what can happen is they get forgiven by the mercy of God, but if they continue in that same thing, then guess what's probably going to happen? And a lot of times it does happen. The same cancer comes back. And so, if I'm asking God to forgive me, and let's say I'm seeking healing for a physical thing, he may out of mercy, I may receive that healing, but if I continue in bitterness, unforgiveness, then I'm inviting that back into my life. And let me explain what do I mean by that? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. First, it says, For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, remember what that's talking about, his physical body and his people, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some even die. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Father will forgive you in heaven. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Listen, when you hold on to uh, bitterness, unforgiveness, when you hold on to unforgiveness, the consequences of that judgment will remain in your body. Just like leaving a foreign object in your body will cause infection and serious illness, so does unforgiveness, bitterness, and judgment. You know, like in these, these uh, westerns, you know, a guy gets shot. You know, a bullet gives in him, and then they got to get the bullet out. And a lot of times it's not the bullet that will kill him, but it's the infection that comes after. 
So they know they got to get the bullet out. But then they also have to deal with the infection. So when you hold on to the consequence, when you hold on to bitterness, the consequences of that judgment will remain in your body. Just like leaving the foreign object in your body will cause infection and serious illness. So does unforgiveness, bitterness, and judgment. When I was asking the Father about this, and when it says if you, a lot of times we put things on God, like the one scripture when, when, the, when Jesus said, if you forgive your brother who sinned against you, then your Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive him, then neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. And I felt like the Lord was showing me this, is that when I don't forgive, then the consequences of the unforgiveness remain in my body. It's not removed by the Father because I'm holding on to it. And so that thing, that foreign object that should not be in me, that bitterness that stays in me, will cause infection, will cause sickness, and eventually lead to death. Bitterness, unforgiveness, leads to sickness. Not every sickness means that you're bitter. Does that make sense? So just because you're sick doesn't mean that you're dealing with bitterness. But if you are bitter, it will lead to sickness. Just like if you leave that foreign object in your body, it will lead to infection. And so it's important that we get this thing out of us. Just like with physical laws, there are spiritual laws that when violated bring consequences. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. There are physical laws and spiritual laws that have been set up by God. If you violate any of those, you will suffer the consequences. Let me ask you a question. If you were to go up on top of this building and jump off of it, and there's concrete on the, on the outside, you were to jump off this building and, and land on that concrete on your feet, you're probably going to suffer some consequences. Would you agree? Now let me ask you this. Did God judge you? It's like, man, God judged you, dude, for jumping off that building. That was pretty stupid. But God created the environment he created the law of gravity if you violate that law you will suffer the consequences now you can kind of maybe in a passive way say that god judged you kind of and i kind of see that's what, what's what's going on when you don't forgive the bible says neither will your father forgive you when you don't forgive the person then all of a sudden you are violating a spiritual law and you will receive consequences for that law, for violating that spiritual law. Am I making sense? So just like jumping off the building, I experienced the consequences, and people say, man, look what God did. God judged you for jumping off that building. No, I violated, and I received the consequences. I harbor bitterness, unforgiveness, I received the consequences. If you, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap death and destruction. Ephesians 4, 25, 26 says, Stop telling lies. So stop telling lies. Let all of our neighbors, excuse me, let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. We've all heard this. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
Letting the sun go down on your anger. In other words, going to sleep with anger means it's turning into bitterness. You're harboring bitterness, unforgiveness. And it says right there that when you do that, you are giving the devil an opportunity. Opportunity. Opportunity? That's a good one. You are giving the enemy an opportunity. And what is his job description? Steal, kill, destroy. Is it to bring abundant life? Is it to bring you joy, to bring you peace? Is it to encourage you because he really likes you? Steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who is that? People who give him an opportunity. People who give him an opportunity say, hey, devil, you can have this little piece of ground right here. He's like, oh, thank you very much. And, we think he, and do we really think he's going to just stay in that little area? When he has an opportunity to cause havoc or destruction in our lives, he's going to take every bit of, every advantage of that. When we allow the sun to go down on our anger, the Bible says you're giving him, not him, him, place in your life. Bitterness has consequences. Unforgiveness. Because see, anger is not the sin. The Bible says in your anger do not sin. Anger is a sign that something's wrong. Uh-oh, I'm upset because she trampled on one of my rights that I felt like I had. So anger's a signal. Okay, I'm upset with her. If I don't get that taken care of, or I choose not to, then I'm, so I'm, I'm harboring bitterness or unforgiveness. That's where the problem comes. And see, Paul was saying the way you're treating each other, the way you're, you're um, not forgiving each other, you're harboring bitterness and everything, you're bringing judgment on yourselves. It's bringing judgment on you. That's why some of you are weak and sickly and dying prematurely. See, too often, now please don't, listen, don't hear me say that every time you're sick, it's because of sin. That's not what I'm saying. But sin does lead to sickness and death. Sin opens the door. If I don't deal with that sin, if I don't repent and get rid of it, it will fester like an infection and it will cause death and destruction. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He is not mocked. If you, if you sow to the flesh, which can also mean if I harbor bitterness and I hold on and I'm in violation of what God says to do, he says to forgive, but I choose not to, so I'm violating his law right there. And I'm holding on to that. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. You sow, you reap to the flesh, or excuse me, sow to the flesh, you will reap death and destruction. A lot of times, we, you know, the sicknesses that we end up with in our bodies, the high blood pressure and all this kind of crazy stuff, some of it we might need to check ourselves and make sure, how am I doing in relationship with people? How am I doing? And don't just dismiss it and say, well, my blood pressure medicine is keeping me under, it's, it's good. And I just want to say, brothers and sisters, this word will bring liberty and freedom. This isn't a, this isn't a scary judgment thing, uh-oh, I better watch out. But God sent Jesus so we can be set free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we have received power, which is His grace, to walk in full, complete forgiveness. Regardless of the offense that has happened. I remember in, in Kenya when Johnny and I were there last year, 
And I, and I don't remember what I was preaching on, but at one point I was challenging and talking to people about the importance of forgiveness, bitterness and forgiveness and that kind of thing. And then later on, a lady shared with us, she shared a testimony of how she had, from the message she responded, and she forgave her sister. And after she did that, all of a sudden, she noticed that the pain, she had a stomach condition for many years. Does that sound right, Johnny? She had a stomach condition for many years, for whatever reason, couldn't get it taken care of. She forgave her sister, and she was healed. No one laid hands on her. No one prayed for her. She, she responded to the word of forgiving her sister, and she was healed instantly. And number four, communion is a wonderful opportunity to apply his provision. So number three is, taking communion is a wonderful opportunity to be reminded we're reminded of what he made available, and then number four, we get to apply it. We get to apply it. Is, you know, when someone has hurt me, someone has offended me, and I mean, in a, in a horrific way, a bad way, do they deserve to control the rest of my life? Do I want to give them that power? So I know you hurt me when I was a kid, but I'm going to give you control over the rest of my life. I'm going to let my emotions... And, and many of my thoughts and my energy, all just, just who I am, I'm going to let it be tied up in you. So every time I remember and I think about you and what you did, and I become emotionally drained or frustrated or irritable or whatever, I'm going to give you that power because you deserve that. Sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But we do that when we choose to harbor the bitterness that that person, that, from what that person did. Instead of learning how to forgive and saying, I'm turning you over to him. I'm going to let the Father take care of you. And then you be free. You be at peace. Because he wants you to be at peace. He wants you to be whole. And then so when we take communion, we get to participate in the provision that he made. So where have I not been applying his grace? What relational challenges am I having that are ongoing in my life? Psalms 139, 23, and 24. And here's what I'm going to invite us to do in a moment. But I'm going to read it right now. And it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting light. Life. So I'm, I'm saying, God, I don't even recognize where I may have some unforgiveness. Because I can think, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I can just gloss over it. But we invite him to search our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, would you search my heart? I'm, I'm asking you, I'm giving you permission to search my heart and show me where I violated your principles. Show me where I'm not walking right with you. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's just close our eyes and invite him Lord, am I good? Is there, what is there? Is there anything that I haven't allowed you, to, allowed you to take care of that I've been holding on to?
And here's what I want to encourage you with as Holy Spirit's bringing someone or something up, a situation. There's a lot of teaching on forgiveness. We have a, a wonderful book out there. Kaylin, a couple weeks ago, did a wonderful job of, of teaching on forgiveness. So there's wonderful material, wonderful resources, but so, for whatever reason you may feel like, oh, I, I still don't know how, don't know if I know how to really forgive. I would encourage you to invite him into the process. See, when you're examining yourself, it doesn't mean, okay, you better make sure everything's lined up and everything's perfect before you partake of communion, before you're, you're um, communing with God. But saying, Daddy, I invite you into this mess because I, I recognize, yeah, I forgot all about her or him, but I recognize, yes, I do have bitterness towards that person. And I invite you into my heart into this process of helping me deal with this, helping me work through this. See, that's what he's wanting. He's not wanting you to get it all figured out and get it all fixed and then come to him. He's wanting to, you to invite him into the midst of the mess. And of course, he knows how to turn it into a masterpiece. Amen? You know what? It's not about having to forgive as much as it is I get to forgive. I get to. We've been given the ability by his grace. And I want to say this last thing because I know some people might think, well, huh, I don't want to take communion in because I don't want to mess with this stuff. You know, not taking communion doesn't exempt me from the judgment or consequences of my sin. But if I take communion knowing, under, fully understanding that I have bitterness or har I'm harboring something against people, then that's like, the, that's like a huge hypocrisy. Because I'm taking these elements and saying, Father, I thank you for the grace. I thank you for the, for the, um, the covenant that you've enacted with me. I thank you for the provision that you made available for me through that broken body of Jesus. And I've received, you've made available grace for me to forgive. And so when I take communion, but I continue to harbor bitterness, what is that? But even if I don't take communion, that doesn't mean, oh, if I don't take communion, I'm good. I don't have to worry about the consequences. Don't fool yourself. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. This may come across to some of you as a very hard message. I find it liberating personally. Because it's our Father reminding us, hey, son, I made provision for you to be free so we can have amazing adventures together. Your identity is not being a victim. Jesus paid for you to be free. And he wants it to be more than just words. He wants it to be our reality. Amen? So let's go ahead and partake of this together. I'm going to read that passage. <sighs> On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. This bread symbolizes what he did and he gave for you and I. He was broken and bruised so that we can be free. Father, we thank you for your provision, for your sacrifice, so that we can be free, so we can have full relationship with you, and we can be totally free from the bondage of sin and bitterness, and we can be full of grace to extend forgiveness towards other people. And we thank you, Father, that we can walk in good relationships with our brothers and sisters. 
That doesn't mean we have to necessarily agree, but we can have a pure heart towards each other. And for that, Father, we're grateful, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. You know, just thinking about the simplicity of this cup, but how powerful it is that he made communion or made a, a covenant with us so we can walk with the creator of the universe. Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. I know it's uh, kind of a risky thing talking about sin and judgment and stuff and sickness and I'm sitting here with a, fighting a cold. It's getting on thin ice, you know. But you know, as you leave today, if you can remember when someone earlier in the service prayed for you during worship and someone prayed over and affirmed you, you can remember those words or any of those words. I want you to remember those or accept those as the Father speaking that to you. Not just, even though it was, a, it was a brother or sister that said that to you, see, that's from the Father. He, he sent the messenger to tell you something that he wanted you to hear, okay? And if no one prayed for you, whatever, please be mindful that he is affirming you today. And he's excited about you. He doesn't tolerate you, but he celebrates you. He gets excited when you wake up in the morning. He's like, the fun is about to begin. That's the kind of daddy he is. Amen? You guys have an amazing, awesome, wonderful day and week. And we'll see you guys next time. God bless you. Mm -hmm.